If I could have your attention, I'd ask that you would head back to your seats and make sure you have a Bible or your bulletin. For the next few weeks, really leading up to the Easter season, we're going to be going through the book of Proverbs again. For some of you that have been with us for some time, you know that before the Advent season, we, we started a series in the book of Proverbs. We're heading back to the book of Proverbs that we might become wise, wise people of God. Many of us know that in this world, we need wisdom. <laughs> there are a lot of complex realities that all of us are faced with, and we don't know. It's not so black and white, is it? It's not do this and it's going to work out. It, it requires more nuance. And so wisdom is, in many ways, that nuance. This morning, we're going to be looking at the subject of friendship, and we'll speak more to that. But I think many of us would agree that friendship is a necessity for living. The Proverbs would agree. So if you have your bulletin, this is probably going to be the best way. For those of you that don't know Proverbs, they're, they're, it's mainly a group of pithy sayings, and there's not necessarily a theme to all of them. So I kind of had to scour the whole of the book and pull out all the different passages in regards to friendship. So that's why your bulletin is going to be the most helpful, because we'll just read the different Proverbs that Solomon himself wrote about friendship and about relationships, and then we'll study that together. So a bunch of passages. I'm going to read through them the same order that you have. First, and by the way, I will not read the verse, the chapter and the verse. You can see that. I'll just continue reading on. Hear the word of God. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find? Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. A man of many companions may come to a ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In 2017, the United States Surgeon General Vivek Murthy penned an article for the Harvard Business Review titled Work and the Loneliness Epidemic. In this fascinating article, Murthy writes, we live in the most technologically connected age in the history of civilization, yet rates of loneliness have doubled since the 1980s. Today, over 40% of adults in America report feeling lonely. 50% of CEOs feel the same way. Moreover, he goes on to say that statistically speaking, loneliness has the same effect on our body as if we smoked 15 cigarettes a day. It affects our weight, our energy, our reason, and our decision making. 
upon hearing these statistics, it's no surprise that the Surgeon General of the United States used the phrase loneliness epidemic. We know a thing about epidemics, don't we? Little did he know, though, that in three years after writing this article, a viral pandemic would sweep the world, making the loneliness epidemic a pandemic as well. In July of last year, the New York Times released a study on how COVID-19 has changed the use of our time. And one of the startling findings of this study was that between the months of May and December of 2020, the average American spent one less hour a day with people outside the home than they'd had the year before. That's 244 hours less time with people than they had the year before. You see how this loneliness epidemic of 2017 has been turned into the loneliness pandemic of 2022. Some of you can relate to this loneliness pandemic. <laughs> you know the, the feel and the pain of feeling lonely. Maybe you've moved to Little Rock and you don't know anyone. Your friends that you've had where you once were is now no longer here. And loneliness is like a, a quiet voice in your head. And it starts to affect not only your mind, but even your physical being. How then do we get out of this loneliness? The answer, of course, is friendship. But here's the thing about friendship. We have a friendship problem. We think that getting someone to click on a button on a Facebook that says friend makes us friends. Our standards for friendships are truth not known. Because clicking on friend on Facebook is not necessarily the way we are friends. Our standards for friendships are truly not known. We've given little thought to what a friend is. No, we've only in intuitive, intuited what a friendship is. We don't think through it. We just walk into a room and we say, okay, let's feel this out. It's simply using our intuition. And yet, we have a loneliness problem. Is it? Is it not fitting that the loneliness problem we have is because we have a friendship problem? Isn't it feasible to think that maybe we're wrong in our intuition about friendship? Have you felt this? Do you know this? Well, this morning I want to challenge each and every one of us to begin thinking friendship rather than feeling friendship. And I think this is the reason why Solomon puts friendship in the midst of of his wisdom literature. Because based on ourselves, we can intuit our friendships, but Solomon goes, that ain't how it works. The reason you're lonely is because you're not thinking through who your friends are. And so through Proverbs, he gives us all of these important and helpful sayings to help us think through friendship. And so this morning, I want to move us towards addressing the loneliness problem by looking at Proverbs and helping us think through friendship. Uh, from 10,000 put perspective, as we look at these Proverbs, we're going to see that Solomon provides us with three important frameworks to think through friendship. First, he's going to show us the necessity of friendship. Then he's going to show us the nature of friendship. And then he's going to speak to our longing of friendship. So necessity, nature, and longing of friendship. Let's study these Proverbs that we might figure out, maybe for once and for all, our friendship problem. First, the necessity of friendship. The first thing Solomon's Proverbs on friendship teach us is that friendships 
are ultimately necessary for you and for me. And there's two reasons why they're necessary for us. First, because of our proclivity to self-deception. And secondly, our need for wisdom. Look with me at Proverbs 12, 15. Solomon says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Solomon, you can see this, puts before our eyes the way of the fool and the way of the wise. And the fool believes they are wise or right in their own eyes, but the wise is humble and is able to listen to advice. Now, where are they receiving that advice from? Their friends. Said differently, the fool remains in their self-deception. The wise have friends who are able to speak into their self-deception. I like to ask this question around here. You've heard me say this several times, but if you were deceived, would you know it? If you were deceived, would you know it? The answer is, of course, no, you wouldn't. But some would prefer to remain in their self-deception, choosing to feel good about what they feel rather than living out of the truth of their life. Perhaps this is one of the reasons why we have an increase in transgender philosophies and then becoming mainstream because we're so lonely and isolated that no one is speaking truth into one another to say a man is a man and a woman is a woman. We don't have friends. We're isolated. Perhaps that's probably one of the reasons why this is a becoming a prominent reality in the normal, everyday mainstream. We're isolated. We don't have friends to speak truth. Indeed, friendships are necessary because they help us to see what is true. If we don't have friends, we will be left in our self-deception. But friends aren't just necessary for our self-deception. They're necessary for wisdom. Consider what Solomon says in Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I want you to know this, and I hope you know this, and I think you know this, but you know that you are influenced, correct? You know, as a people living in this time period, we must rid ourselves of this idea that there are people who are influencers and there are people who are influenced. I mean, I'll be frank. Every time I look at an Instagram page where it's like, oh, this is an influencer, and then I see another person who's an influencer. You want to know my perception? They're all the same. <laughs> they all look the same. There is no one who are influencers and influenced. We're all influenced. Charles Bridges said in his commentary on Proverbs, and on this particular Proverbs, he says, It is not left to us to determine whether there shall be any influence on us, only what that influence shall be. So the question becomes for you and I as we consider this, who is influencing you? Who are you influenced by? Solomon says the wise will influence you to wisdom, whereas the fool will lead you to harm. This certainly will provoke in us the thought who our friends are, and we'll get to that in a second. But it also reminds us that wise friends are necessary for wise living, and it's because we are easily influenced. There is no one who's an influencer and an influenced. So we must then consider this second point. If friends are necessary to wisdom, who then are our friends? Thankfully, Solomon provides us with a few guides to choosing our friends and revealing to us the nature of wise and genuine friendships in his Proverbs. So let's now turn our focus on the nature of friendship as it's put before us in Proverbs. Because we need to know what a true friend is if we're going to be influenced in a good way by them. So secondly, the nature of friendship. 
The next seven verses that's on your bulletin, these are going to be the verses that constitute the nature of friendship. And as I see it, these seven verses fall into three different categories that are helpful to understanding how, how Solomon thinks true friendship or the nature of friendship is. If you want to write uh, like notes and, and write this down, I think at least, at least, and there's probably different ways you do it, but it's helpful. Friendship, the nature of true friendship is broken down into three categories. It's constant, it's considerate, and it's compassionate. Friendship is constant, considerate, and compassionate. Let's look at first, this first characteristic of the nature of true friends. A friend is constant. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. It's easy to see that to Solomon, that one of the most important aspects of a friend is that they are constant in their love. Then when you take it with this second line, we learn a little bit of what Solomon means. Note the second line. A brother is born for adversity. So we have to compare these two things. Every Proverbs has a one line and then a second line. And sometimes when you look at those two, you can learn a lot. So what does it mean by a brother is born for adversity? Here's what it means. When things get tough in your life, regardless of the circumstances, you can rely on your family. Your family will be there for you. Blood ultimately is thicker than water. I mean, I love my brother, and I can rely on him because he loves me. And the reality of it is neither he or I had a choice to love one another. We love one another. We're blood. We took baths together as kids. I mean, like, once you do that, you got, you're, you're connected for life. But here's the thing about a friend. A friend is someone you choose. You don't choose your brothers. They're there for you in the midst of adversity. But a friend is there at all times, and it's their own choice to be there for you. And a true friend is someone who's there regardless of the circumstances that you face. They are constant in their love of you. One of my favorite stories of somebody I know um, came from my old church. Um, there was a member of this staff who made some very, very bad decisions, and this led to a public shaming and a long prison sentence. It's not that, like... like you could feel what he did was so bad that you were like, I don't even want to be near this person. And yet there was a man named Mike O'Grady. He was a grizzled man. He was a former New York City cop. And you could tell that he'd live a little bit of life. And you want to know what Mike O'Grady did when this person was getting ready to go to jail for a long time? He picked him up from his house and he drove him to the jail. He was constant in his love despite such shameful acts. The other day, Kimberly was looking, um, I don't know if you guys know Maverick City Music. They went to a prison in Florida. And you want to know what she saw? She saw that man who was driven to the jail by Mike O'Grady. And he was praising God. A friend is constant in their love. Beautiful. This is what a friend is. They're constant in their love. Nature of true friendship is known as constancy. But secondly, a friend is not only constant, they're considerate. They're considerate. There's four aspects of consideration of a friend that I want you to see. And you can see these in the next few verses that I give to you. First, a considerate friend gives earnest counsel. 
27.9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Just as perfume brings a beautiful smell to you and those around you, so too does a passionate friend to give you counsel. This isn't just a, hey, let's sit down and have a cup of coffee and we're going to, you know, back and forth. No, this is someone sitting you down and say, look, I love you so much that I'm passionate about you following this way. It's important for you. A good friend is considerate to you and says, this is the way to live, not that way. They're considerate to you. They care for you. Secondly, not only is it consideration to give earnest counsel, secondly, a considerate friend is trustworthy. They're trustworthy. Proverbs eleven twelve: whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. A considerate friend is someone you can trust with your weaknesses. I mean, we all have weaknesses. We all have shortcomings. That if, if known, it could, it could hurt us. But a friend, a considerate friend, is someone that you can speak to, and they remain silent. They don't, you know, you know drag your name through the mud, and thus causing all sorts of problems for you. They're trustworthy. You can trust them with your weaknesses. So a considerate friend is earnest in their counsel. They are also trustworthy. But third, a considerate friend is faithful, a faithful friend. Proverbs 26, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? A considerate friend is someone who is following through on their word for you. If they say they're going to be there for you, then they are there for you. A faithful friend is a considerate friend. Lastly, a faithful friend is, or considerate friend, excuse me, a considerate friend is someone who is socially aware. Proverbs 25, 17 says, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Friends can know when to, when to help you out and when to leave you alone. And I think you know this, it's nice when they leave you alone sometimes. A good friend is socially aware of what's going on. They're considerate to you. So, so here's the nature of friendship. Friendship is constant. It's considerate. And thirdly, friendship is compassionate. Now, I want to be very specific with this characteristic because I think our culture has abused this word compassion. Uh, and, and not to say that it's got it wrong. I think it's just mis misunderstood it. Let me define compassionate how I want you to define it, and then talk about how wise friends show compassion. Compassion is a sym sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. But here's what I want to add to it. I think it's a willingness to step in and do something about those misfortunes. It's not necessarily means you're going to do that because not every need is your call. But someone who's compassionate is willing to step in and do that. And true friends, the nature of wise friends are those that are compassionate, that they see what it is you're going through, and they are willing to engage even at a cost to themselves. There's two Proverbs that I want to pull out and show you. First, Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What I love about these verses is that there's a, it's paradoxical. Faithful wounds friend. That doesn't make sense. Why would a friend wound you? 
profuse, the kisses, enemies. Like, why would kisses be bad? Again, this goes back to our self-deception. A friend sees what you are going through. And if you are self-deceived, there needs to be a breaking to awaken you to your self-deception. And friends will compassionately step into that, even if you hate them for it. They're willing to endure your hatred for your own good. That is love. That, that you speak the truth to one another. How compassionate is this? But secondly, we have Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. The everyday, ongoing aspect of life and friendship is, is indeed one of compassion. We need one another. And as iron sharpens iron, that's the old way that they would produce iron to make swords and, and, and wheels, that iron is needed to sharpen iron. We need each other in the everyday, common life that we exist. We go to lunch together. We laugh together. We share what we are going through. And in this process of ordinary life, we are being sharpened together. We're showing compassion to one another. We're meeting with one another. We're being committed to one another. We're being faithful together. And in the process, iron is sharpening iron. It's being compassionate to one another. The nature of friendship consists of compassion. It consists of being considerate. And it consists of being constant. Are these the characteristics that you look for in a friend? Or are you walking into a room intuitively thinking, am I going to fit in? My friends, these are the characteristics, wherever you walk into, that you must look for in a friend. My guess is that you've experienced a lot of these realities in your life, whether or not you even thought about it. You can think of friends early in your life or even present in your life who have demonstrated the constancy, the consideration, and the compassion of a friend. And I think you should be thankful for these realities because these are the friends that help you become wise. Yet even in light of these friends that we have that demonstrate a lot of these qualities, there is a sad reality that still can exist. And that is a, 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 the reality of a void that even amidst true friends, loneliness can still persist. It's as if this loneliness is a longing for a friend that satisfies. So last thing I want us to do is to take time to consider the longing of friendship. The longing of friendship that all of us can experience, even amidst good friends, can be filled because what Proverbs 18.24 says. Consider this. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Someone who chooses you and sticks with you and is closer than a brother. What I find so striking about this proverb is that Solomon chooses a singular friend. And that is a better fit for the longing of our heart. Who, of course, is he referring to? I believe he's referring to God. You know, one of the most profound realities of the Bible is that the transcendent God, the one who made all things, the one who's ruling over all, the one who made Saturn, this monstrous planet, the one who's created our galaxy, is a friend to his people. That God is a friend to his people. 
Isaiah 41.8 records God saying, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat in a prayer says, Did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? God is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. God is the one that fills the void that the longing of friendship reveals to us. It is God. And it is God who is constant. It is God who is considerate. It is God who is compassionate. Consider once again the constancy of God in his friendship towards us. When Peter denied Jesus three times, even after he said, I will not deny you, Jesus was constant in his love for Peter. He met with him, he had breakfast with him, and there was intimacy. Despite what Peter had done, he remained constant in his friendship with Peter. I love what Paul says in Romans 8, 38 and 39, and I think it applies to friendship for you and me. Paul says, I am convinced neither life or death, angels or demons, the present or the future, or any powers, height or depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God and his friendship towards us is constant in his love for us. It cannot stop. There is nothing you can do for God to stop loving you. Do you believe that? But God is not only constant in his love for us, he is considerate. Does he not give us great counsel? Can you not think in your life? It could be the most boring of church services of your life, but God in his great counsel, his earnest counsel, wakens you up and you are cut to heart and you're awakened out of your self-deception and you go, woe is me. And by golly, how did this happen in this church service right now? Because God is earnest in his counsel of you. Is he not trustworthy? And faithful. When you confess your sins, does he throw you out? <laughs> Oftentimes he remains silent. Is he trustworthy? Yes. Is he faithful? Is God faithful to his promises? Absolutely. But God is not just considerate, he's also compassionate. He sees our state and our condition. And he does something about it. Do you remember what Jesus tells his disciples in John 13? Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his, you know it, his friends. Here Jesus is preparing the disciples for the act that he will soon undertake, climbing up on a cross to pay the penalty for sin that his people deserved. And to crush the enemy, our devil, the devil, and lay down his life for us. He is compassionate to us. He sees us in our state and he does something about it. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend. The longing for friendship that you feel in your life is simply pointing you to the one your heart was made for. The one who calls you his friend. It is made for God. So in the midst of that longing for, for friendship, which we all have, 
true friend you have, the singular friend that Solomon in his wisdom points you to, it is God. And this day, you have the opportunity because of what Jesus has done to go before your friend and trust him all the more. To find the loneliness of your heart filled with him. Look, it is my desire and it is my hope that we are a church of great friendship. It really is. I sat on Thursday night with a group of people in community groups and we talked about what is the vision of our time together as a community group. And you know one of the things that I said? I want us to be great friends. One of the great tragedies that I see, and this is particularly in men. Women are doing a much better job at this than men. But one of the things that as men get older, they actually become devoid of true friends. I don't want that to be the case of this church. And I think that we will. The way that we become true friends with one another is becoming friends with God. It starts there. Being loved by God always brings about what? Love of God and the love of neighbor. So the only way that we're going to be constant in our love for one another, considered in the ways that Solomon lays out for, and compassionate towards one another, is if we allow God to be our friend. And then we can be it for one another. It is my hope and it is my dream that that is what we experience, men and women. That this is a place that follows the wisdom of Solomon. It is a place of true friendship. So let me pray. God, we thank you for your friendship. We thank you for the wisdom that you've given us to, to understand what it means to be a true friend. It, indeed, we have a loneliness pandemic unsuing in our in our culture and our world but we as a church have the opportunity because of your friendship because of your constancy because of your consideration because of your compassion to be friends with you and therefore friends with one another and so i ask oh lord that you would do this in our midst that we would walk wisely in the midst of a world that is often lonely that we would be a light in the midst of darkness that we'd be salt where it's needed pray this in jesus name amen